It's important when you first start your business that you make sure you open up a business checking account because you need to keep your personal checking and savings separate from your business checking and savings. It's the only way that you'll be able to track your revenue and your expenses and not run into tax problems later down the road. In this episode of Getting Money Right, we're continuing our discussion about starting and operating a small business. With us again in the studio is Jordan Kennedy, a personal friend of mine and David's, and a small business owner in the photography, videography, and media. He also works for a nonprofit marriage ministry creating media to serve couples around the country. Jordan and his wife, Shandell, have been married five years and have a one-year-old son, Samuel. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time to be here and sharing your experience as an entrepreneur and small business owner. Yeah, thanks for having me. So in the last episode, we talked quite a bit about how to start and some of the components of starting a small business. Um, David, let's start with how do I manage probably one of the most important parts of a small business, and that is finances. Well, this is my favorite part of the discussion because it matters how you manage the finances of the business. And when I'm talking to somebody that's going to be starting a business or has an idea and just says, hey, I want to sell some art out of my home or I want to create something for an Etsy page and sell it out of my garage. You know, I have all these fun ideas. David, where do I start? And I think the most important thing that you can do is begin with a shift in your mindset because you're going to be creating something and you then have to manage it and you've got to manage it well if you're going to serve people the way you want to serve them. Your heart is to serve people. Your heart is to make products or to make content or to do something that's going to serve someone else. And when you become an owner, you really become the steward or the manager of this business. And so to take on this stewardship mindset, and there's an old proverb I like to go back to. It says to be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds for riches are not forever. It's important that you're diligent to know the state of your flock. So let's say that you're a shepherd. You need to know what's coming in and what's going out. And so when somebody starts a business, they need to know. Every time I get a client or I sell something, I need to track that what comes in and I track that which goes out. And so the first thing that you're going to do is set up personal accounts and business accounts. Now, almost everybody already has personal banking accounts set up. Uh, usually that's tied to your social security number at a local bank. But it's important to then go and set up a completely separate account that will be entirely for the business. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't separate your personal finances and your business finances, then you're going to miss out on tax break opportunities from expenses yeah. in the business. And you're going to run into just kind of a headache in accounting. Mm -hmm. The IRS is going to look at what you're doing. And if you can't prove to them what you've earned and what you've spent, then they're going to begin to assume that you've earned more and that you've spent less. And they're going to come to you looking for higher tax bills. And so it's important that you have a clear and articulate way of communicating, not just with the IRS, but with other business owners, with clientele. Uh, people, when you go to market your company and sell it or share it with others, you want to be able to articulate hey, here's how I'm doing. Here's what's coming in and here's what's going out. Mm. So in your personal accounts, you've probably got a checking account. You've probably got a short-term savings, an emergency savings account. Uh, Ashley and I, we have a giving account. We've got a, an account just for a debit card that we use. Those are all personal accounts. We opened up at another bank our business accounts 
And you can do this two ways. You could either actually go apply for an EIN, an employer identification number, which is very easy to do. You would go to uh, the irs.gov and just apply for an EIN. If you Google it, how do I get an EIN? It'll come right up. And you can do this and you can take that EIN, which is your business tax identification number. You can take it to the bank and open up a specific business checking account. Or you can actually just use your social security number and create a new checking account, but call it a business account. And you personally know, I'm never going to use this account for my personal expenses. Yeah. So Ashley and I did that at another bank so that we wouldn't mix the two. If we mm -hmm. ever profited and brought in revenue and then minus expenses and we had profit in our business account, if we want to bring that home, we call it profit and we set aside taxes to set aside so that when the end of the year comes, we already have the money set aside for those taxes. Yeah. So in the business side, you want to have a business checking account. You probably want to have a business savings account. If you want to be real fancy, you'll call that a retained earnings account. That would be the fancy word in business speak. I went to <laughs> business school at SMU in Dallas. I'd spent a lot of money to learn that word, retained earnings, and you got it for free <laughs> on the podcast. Have a business card. Have a, either a debit card or a credit card that's tied directly to the business so that every expense, every time you swipe an expense and say, I need to buy uh, some new product in order to fix it up and then sell it, or I need to purchase uh, some software for the business or a website for the business or a new piece of equipment. If you're tracking that, then at the end of the year, you can determine which of those are tax deductible, which of those are expenses in the business that you can reduce from your revenues. And it'll help you understand, you know, how much do I really owe the government? So keeping track, really making sure that you're digging into that. Yeah. And I, I need to add that you are on a financial podcast, so we're going to talk about budgeting. And just as you budget for your personal finances, you should budget for your business. When I started my coaching practice, I literally started a budget for my coaching practice. I opened up a business account. I incorporated. I did all those things because I wanted to make sure that I had a separate entity, which was my business. And then we have our personal finances. And I operate those similar as I do my personal finances. I have a budget. I know what goes in. I know what I need to, to make. I have goals. All those things are part of that business. So it's important not only to, to open the accounts, but again, you're on a financial podcast, so we're going to tell you you need to budget. You need to keep track of your expenses. Without that, it's really difficult to know where you're at at any given point. One of the things that David and I have had a lot of opportunity to do is to counsel people and coach them in their finances over the years. And this is probably one thing that came up quite a bit with business owners is that they had their personal finances and their business finances intermingled. And not only is that a nightmare from a tax perspective, but just how do you know if your business is actually making money? If you're moving money from your personal to cover business expenses and then back again, it's really difficult. There's several clients I think about that I know were struggling in their business. And at the end of the day, if I were to look at their P&L statement, I'd have a difficult time justifying why they have a business. They would have been better off just getting a job and having the weekends off and not working 24 seven yeah. and trying to build a business. But it was really a lack of management. And if you're going to operate a business, just understand the financial part of the business will either make or break you. And having a budget, having these accounts, separating everything and running it in a way that's logical and clear will not only help you be successful, but it'll help your business to grow and uh, you'll have long-term success. So Leo, how did you incorporate your practice and why did you choose that over, say, an LLC, for example? 
I actually do do have an LLC. That's what I did. Uh, I actually have a limited partnership with me and my wife. The business is set up for both uh -huh. of us. We're half owners. Um, but the reason I did it was, one, I wanted to make sure that it was something that was legit. Could I have done it without it? Sure. But I wanted to set it up right from the beginning. So I did the research. I uh, wanted to make sure that, that I, I incorporated in a way that was going to give me all the benefits, both from a financial standpoint, but also from a tax uh, basis. Because that's really what, what doing that will do, is will allow you to make sure that you're paying the right amount of taxes, but not overpaying. So when I looked at the structure of what my business was going to do, that's what I wanted. And I actually hired a CPA and he did the whole thing for me. Yeah, I think some people can do that on their own. There are services out there that will allow you to do it. I just wanted to make sure for the few hundred dollars that I spend, uh, I want to make sure it was done right the first time. Yeah, And I actually had a friend of mine who had a business who um, warned me. He said, I, I did it on my own. And years later, I found out I did it wrong. And uh, he said, I wish I would have hired a CPA. So it kind of convinced me to go ahead and hire somebody. I was going to do it on my own. You know, <laughs> I'm a self-doer, right? But uh, decided against it. I'm glad I did. Yeah, there seems like to be an element of risk there, for sure. I think it adds even a level of professionalism to the way that you manage your business. If you come in intentionally saying, I'm going to do this, you know, by the book. I'm going to hire a professional to set it up for me. I'm going to make sure that it's done right. Uh, now, we also talked in the last episode about being scrappy and starting cheap. And so yeah. personally, when I first started my business, I just opened up another checking account at my bank. Again, it was actually at a different bank, but I, I opened it up and said, this is my business account. Mm -hmm. It's under my social security number. So it's a sole proprietorship where I'm the owner. Right. And it was very quick and easy to start up and I could start billing and I could start running the business but over time, as the business grows, that's when you want to look at something like a limited liability company, because now the company becomes an entity in and of itself. And so let's say that somebody got upset with Leo's company for some reason. If they went after the company and they sued him, they could sue the LLC, but they couldn't go to him personally as right. long as he has separated his business accounts from his personal accounts and right. he's not intermixing the two. And so as long as he's created this business entity separate, they can be mad all day long at the business. <laughs> and if he ever has to, he could close the business and bankrupt out that business, but it wouldn't destroy his personal home, his personal finances. It wouldn't get him in trouble. Yeah. It would just be the business closing. So a lot of people, when they do real estate, They'll open up an LLC for each property they buy, or they'll open up one LLC for two or three properties. And then when they fill that LLC up, then they'll open up another one. Now they could put a hundred properties in one LLC, but if that LLC ever gets sued, all 100 properties are at risk. Uh, so if you take two properties and you put them in one, two properties in another, two properties in another, you're diversifying your risk. Because if I get injured at one of those properties, well, I can sue that company, but I can't sue all the other companies uh, unless there's some really poor management or you didn't do the paperwork right. And that's yeah. why it's important to hire a professional. So we're talking about sole proprietorships, very easy to open. A partnership like Leo has with his wife, uh, not only in marriage and in life, but apparently in business as well. <laughs> there you go. Uh, your limited liability company, that would be an LLC. You've got a C Corp, which would be usually for larger corporations, and then an S Corp. And there's some really neat tax benefits to doing an S-Corp. It's very similar to an LLC, 
uh, except for you can choose. You've got to set it up right. You've got to structure it with a board and do these unique things. But if you structure it right, you can pay out dividends, not just taking a salary from the company, but actually pay dividends and say, I'm going to divide out the profits. I'm going to divide the end of this. We talked about this in episode 11, 12, and 13 with stocks, bonds, and investing and dividends. Mm -hmm. You can provide a salary to yourself. But you can also provide dividends that are fair and equitable and allow the company to pay you even more with less of a tax burden. Uh. I'm not going to dig into all the details there, but there can be a benefit to it. And if you are starting to get very serious about your business, you need to go online, you need to talk to a professional, and you need to look up what the differences are between an LLC and an S-Corp. Yeah, that's good. So let's address the taxes, because if you're running a business, you're going to have to pay taxes on any profit that you make. Generally, there are three types of taxes that you pay. There's Social Security, Medicare, and then there's federal taxes. And for those of you living in a state that has state taxes, then of course you have state taxes as well. As a business owner, when it comes to taxes, you're both the employer and the employee for any income that you take from the business. So when you're paying your Medicare and Social Security taxes, you'll have to pay both for the employer side of the equation, also for the employee. Now, Social Security taxes are 6.2% and Medicare is 1.45%. So all combined, you have 7.65% in Medicare and Social Security taxes as an employee. But as an employer, you would pay the same amount. So instead of paying just 7.65%, as an employee, you'll also pay 7.65% as an employer for a total of 15.3% in Medicare and Social Security taxes. Now, state taxes vary from as little as 0% if you're in a state that doesn't have state taxes to as high as 13% if you live in California. So you'll have to determine your state tax and make sure you set enough aside to cover that. Of course, the last part is our federal tax, which is going to be the higher percentage. A good starting point would be about 15%. Now, it may be higher or lower depending on what kind of deductions you have, but it's a good starting point. So if you put all those together, you're looking at 30% for Medicare, Social Security, and federal taxes, and then add the state tax to that. But anywhere from 30 to 35% perhaps is a good number to start from to set aside for all the different types of taxes you'll have to pay for your income from the business. Now, one of the things that I would encourage people as they start a business is to not start to depend on that money right away. And for that reason, I also recommend, and this is something that I hear all the time, is that you should not quit your job before starting your business. Yeah, I think a lot of folks want to just jump in, quit their job, and you know, not work for the man anymore, and just go out there <laughs> and do it. And it's a grand idea, but it can be very dangerous because it, it usually takes a year or two to start making a profit from a business. And certainly, you'll need a couple of years to make enough to be able to live on. So don't quit your job yet. It's a good idea to keep at least a part-time job, potentially a full-time job, for at least six months to a year. Or just build up enough so that you can save about a year to two years worth of income. Mm-hmm. And then live on a scrappy budget, and, yeah. uh, and you can make it. It's just something that it's a great idea to do because you don't want the pressure of having to earn an income while at the same time working your tail off trying to build this business and being under that stress and pressure of having to make a profit quickly. How about you, Jordan? How did you process through this decision when you started out? Uh, well, I, I started doing freelance work because I didn't have a job. So I was already at a place where I didn't have a job. So me trying to, in the process of finding a job, I needed to make some income somehow. So I said, okay, 
I may be able to pick up a job here and there that could be supplemental. And uh, so that's, that's really how it started out. And then it just grew into something more after that. Yeah, I think it's so important that everyone listening understand that, you know, just launching out and starting the business before you have the emergency fund set aside, before you have a way to make sure your bills are paid each month, it can be crazy. You've got to make sure that you've got a plan in place for your monthly bills and then grow your business until your business overtakes those monthly bills. Mm. So for the first six months, two years, you work like a madman. Yeah. And, you know, you put in the time and effort growing the business on the side. And then, you know, if one day you can leave your corporate job and go into that business full time, that's wonderful. But I've seen so many people that learned lessons the hard way in the mm -hmm. first six months yeah. to two years where they started the business but they didn't set aside anything for taxes, yeah. let alone 30%, because they were so used to the employer taking it right out of their paycheck that they didn't think about their own you know, self-employment taxes. They didn't think about their federal tax rate. They just didn't even think about it. And so they earned 12 grand in the first year, but now they owe four grand in taxes and they didn't set it aside. Yeah. Well, they learned that lesson while they had another job. And so that four grand really hurt them that they owed at the end of the year, but they were able to survive because they had that income from the full-time job. So, you know, I think it's really admirable to be an entrepreneur and, you know, pursue your business, do the thing you love. And really the profit potential uh, is, is unequivocal. I mean, you can go out into the business world and make a ton of money, but you've got to learn those lessons the hard way, step by step. Yeah, when I first started out, I actually had two part-time jobs. I was doing freelance work and two internships at the same time. Mm. That kept you busy. Was your wife working at the same time? She was also working. Yeah. Full-time, yeah. so. And that helps. That was the case for me. You know, when I mm -hmm. stepped out to do this, now we, my wife and I had saved enough for us to live on for a year. Mm -hmm. So I had that much saved up. But she was working full time. Right. Uh, I'm sorry. When I left my previous job, she was not working, but then she went back to work. So that it just extended my yeah. ability then to make the business profitable. It gave me a, a longer mm -hmm. launching pad to be able to uh, to continue to do what I'm doing. So somehow you have to figure out how to do this. But the best way to do it is either have some part time work, have something that's coming in, or if your spouse is making an income, then mm -hmm. that helps. Yeah. And of course, never discount the fact that you can live on a lot less. You can that lower your lifestyle for a while. You can choose cheaper foods. I've had to do it in lean times. We've all had to do it in different times. So how important is this business to you? Dig deep, figure out what's going to take to make it successful, and then be smart about how you can manage your finances. All right, let's move on to um, another topic, and, and that is clients. How do you find clients? Jordan, I'd love to hear your take on this. I, I have my own thoughts about how my clients come about, mm -hmm. but I'd love to hear yours because you're obviously in a different niche than I am, but I'd love to know how do your clients come about? How do you search them out? How do you get those jobs? Yeah, well, even though I feel like in DFW, there are so many people that do video or photography or graphic design or, or whatever it may be in the creative space, it's also a pretty tight-knit community. And typically, you've worked with somebody that knows somebody else that knows somebody else that's going to need somebody for the job this Saturday kind of thing. And um, just through word of mouth is really the way that I have gotten almost every job is just going through uh, working with people and serving them well and building relationships and then them recommending me to other people. Even if I get an inquiry through my website that is an email, like through a contact form, it will almost always say, I got your information from this person, and that's how I found your website. 
Yeah, and that's, that's why I'm contacting you. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. We're in a day and age where you have to have a website. You have to have a web presence. You have to be on social media. All those things are important. And I think over time, they will pay off, and you have to invest in them. For sure. But nothing beats the word of mouth mm -hmm. referral, because most people will hire you only if they trust you. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. I don't I wouldn't hire anybody I didn't trust. <laughs> so 100% of the people will hire you if they trust you. And how will they trust you if they don't know you? Right. Well, the only way they're going to get to know you is if somebody says, hey, I know Jordan. And this is what he's done for me. And right. I think he'd be a great guy to talk to for the project you're looking at. And it's the same thing for me. Every case that I've had, every client has been a word of mouth. It's been somebody who I've served well. Mm -hmm. They love what I've done for them. And they said, hey, you, you need to talk to Leo. So uh, if you serve people well, the clientele will come. Yeah, that's But good. at the same time, social media is a, is a big part of it. So how have you used social media? How have you built your brand so that some of that is building up and that you have a bigger platform that you can, and a bigger base of clients that you can draw from. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like I've gained a lot of experience uh, from my day job. Uh, I, I get to operate in the social media space almost all day and I get to manage a large account or multiple large accounts. Uh, and I get to learn about strategy and working through different marketing companies and uh, just following trends so we're talking about the importance of relationships and being social uh, with the people that we care about. Well, let's talk about social media for a second. How do you take this and, and take your company, take your business and get it out to the relationships you've already got on social media? And then how do you build that social media awareness? Jordan, what's that look like for you? I think it really comes down to consistency. And especially if you're using a, a platform like Instagram, you want you, all of your photos to look a certain way and not only represent you, but like you said in the previous podcast, David, that you want things to match on color and match a particular style guide uh, to follow a font and uh, represent who you are. So if you don't want to have a random picture in black and white when everything you have is super colorful, uh, it just doesn't fit in with, with who you are as a brand and what you want to represent yourself to people. So staying consistent and, um, and being up to date with trends is a big one. Uh, as well as engaging with people that are also on social media. Uh, you may gain new clients from uh, answering a question on a post or um, say, thanks for reading my blog or whatever, uh, instead of just leaving them as a number on the internet, as a follower or a like or something like that. But if you actually engage with them, you can you can build potential relationships through social media as well. Yeah, I've seen that, you know, there's two really big ways to go about it. One is this really gorgeous, aesthetically pleasing social media account that everything looks the same and the colors are the same and not, not the exact same, but, you know, there's this great look and right. feel to it. But then I've also seen people that come along and they're just overwhelmingly authentic. Yeah. And they're putting out videos that yeah. are of themselves raw in the moment. Mm -hmm. And people are really drawn to that because yeah. it is, it's a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so when I trust somebody and I see them put together a video that just is them expressing who they are. Yeah. If I, if I like that person, I mean, yeah, if I don't like them, I don't do business with them. But if, but if it's somebody that I hear who they are in, in an authentic way, yeah. And I say, I trust that person. I want to know them. I want to follow them. I want to see what they're doing next time they post. I want to see what products they're offering. And so there's, uh, I think that, you know, you as a listener, you want to look at who am I? Am I the person who, who 
goes for authenticity in this just engaging um, raw platform? Or am I the kind of person who spends a lot of time designing something that looks really good, looks really clean, and that design speaks authentically to who you are as a person? Yeah. So you have to figure out who you are and then how you're going to create your social media. And I've learned a ton just from my wife, who is a graphic designer, and the people that she follows on Instagram Mm -hmm. or on social media. I never would have thought about some of the really cool templates and designs that are out there. But then at the same time, I'll see her follow someone that is just a really honest person Mm -hmm. that's sharing their life and that speaks. So don't be afraid to go either way on social media, because again, here, the point is that you're building relationship, right? And that relationship is trust, which then turns into the ability to do a financial transaction together. Mm -hmm. And the goal is not always just the finances. Sometimes the goal is to connect with somebody, serve them well, Mm -hmm. and the finances are a byproduct. Yeah. So I think that's really cool if you can do it that way. Now, talking about relationships and clients and the people that we love to serve, what happens if you serve somebody really well and they turn out to be a pain in the tush? You know, you (laughs) opened up the door to them and said, hey, come do business with me. And they started to be a client of yours. And now they're annoying you, the business owner. How do you handle that? Well, for me, I think about every client as somebody that I'm testing them out as much as they're testing me out. In other words, do I really want them as a client? Mm. I want to make sure that I hire the right people just as much as they hire me. Because if I'm going to work with them, it's a it's a two-way street. Yes, I'm going to get compensated for my work, but I'm also going to have to do work. Right. And I want to make sure that when I'm doing that work, that I'm enjoying every moment of it. Yeah. I want to make sure that I'm working with the right clients. So I've done quite a bit of research and studied this to find out who are my best clients. Who do I really want to work with? It's not that I'm trying to exclude certain people, but I want to work with people that are ready to make a change. I don't want to work with people who are thinking they have a problem, but they're not really sure they want to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. So I interview people just as much as they interviewed me in that first session. So when I have an initial session with people is to let them know what I do to find out what they need and to find out if we can work together. If I'm going to be able to help them and benefit them, then I'm going to take them on. But it's so crucial that when you approach a client that you're not under that pressure of, I need to just lay in this sale. Yeah. Right, because if you're under that pressure, you're going to take anybody, right? And then you're going to work twice as hard. You're going to be miserable while you're doing it, and you're not going to get paid very much for it. Mm-hmm. I believe you should be well compensated for what you do. If you do good work, you should get paid very well for it. You don't want, as a client, you don't want somebody who's going to work with you that's cheap or does cheap work. So what I charge is not cheap. Now it's not crazy expensive, but if I'm going to help you get out of debt and put you on a financial path that's going to help you become financially successful, then I think that's worth more than a couple hundred dollars. So I'm not cheap. I believe I charge what's right. And I think you need to know what that is. And once you know what that is, you should not be afraid to say, this is what I charge, and this is what you're going to get when you hire me. I always try to offer, and I believe I do, and this is what my clients have said, that I offer way more value than what I'm charging them. Yeah. Now, I have an initial amount. I tell them how many hours it's going to be, how many meetings we're going to have. It's very clearly laid out. They know what they're getting into, and I know what I'm getting into after spending an hour with them. Mm-hmm. And that, David, is going to, I believe, remove a lot of the difficulty that you would have with clients. Fortunately, I have not had any crazy clients, anybody that I have not enjoyed, <laughs> really, really enjoyed working with. Now, some of them uh, don't do always what I want them to do, 
but it's not really about me. It's about them. Right. So I move at their pace. I try to help them as much as I can. But it's a very clearly laid out relationship. Mm -hmm. And if you do that at the front end and uh, you get everything in writing, you're very clear what you're going to do, what you're going to offer, what you're going to charge, then they know what they're getting into. And you know what you're getting into. So I think that's about 90% of the headaches that you can avoid just by being very, very clear at the front end of who you're taking on and identifying your client really well. I don't care if you're selling widgets or if you're, you know, doing counseling, just know who that person is that you're trying to sell to. Mm-hmm. And that's going to that's gonna really help you to be successful in doing it and doing a good job and, and serving people well. Yeah, that's great. How have you guys set yourself up to be surrounded by people that will encourage you and support you in the business, people that can mentor and coach you and help you going on this track? Because running a business, uh, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of time. So what kind of network have you put around yourselves and how do you motivate yourself to not quit, to keep pushing through? So I think social media is a good way to do this, especially if you're involved in blog posts or um, maybe making a website or photo or video. Uh, There's always people in a community around you that you can reach out to or become a part of and uh, get feedback from your work. But one thing that I've really liked to do is that when I work with a new producer or director, and I send them an invoice for my day's work afterwards. I also send them a link to my reel or my website. And I say, hey, if you have a minute, we check out my reel for the year and give me a few critiques or tell me how I, I can improve. Yeah, that's good. For me, I, I have a good network of people around me on the personal side. So I have uh, three guys that I meet with every Thursday morning. We've been doing it for about nine years. So I have very close relationships. I also meet with another friend of mine on on another day. So so I, sometimes I feel like I have too many meetings, but they help me to keep my focus and to stay real to who I am. So on the personal side, I have that. But also what I've tried to do is to get some people around me that are on the same journey that I'm on. Oh, yeah. So I have an accountability partner that I meet with every Tuesday. We're on the same path, not same niche, but same path trying to build an online business, trying to serve as many people as we can with a passion and a niche that we have. And having that person setting goals every week and having to answer to that person and say, how did I do this week? It's really motivational because yeah. you're not going to come to the meeting and, and say, well, I didn't do any of my goals this week. <laughs> so I think putting those kind of people in your life is important. I would also advise a business coach from time to time that's really necessary. If you don't know where to take the business or you're stuck, Get a business coach. Yes, it's going to cost some money, but believe me, when you have the right person, that person may take you to a level that you never thought possible. And then potentially a mastermind group. This is something that I'm really looking into. I'd love to to start a mastermind group with a few uh, folks that are, are also in the same um, journey that I'm on and running a small business. And I think doing that allows you to have that once a month potentially or every two weeks meeting where you can brainstorm, think about different things, and just have that honest, raw feedback that you need as a business owner. Because sometimes you are you feel isolated. You're by yourself. You're, I'm working from home, so I'm by myself. And sometimes I'm not sure if I'm connecting with my audience. I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm doing everything I can. So having those kind of people to, to go to uh, is really important. It keeps me motivated. If nothing else, it does keep me motivated and keeps me uh, engaged. And I think that's an important part of it. I love spending time with you guys because, uh, Jordan, you're a learner. You constantly are growing. Leo, you're always looking for ways to improve. And as a business owner, for those of you who are listening, never stop evolving. 
never stop pushing the envelope, never stop learning something new. Yeah. You know, when the new social media program comes out, go learn that software. Yeah. When, when the new opportunity to meet uh, clients in a new industry, you know, if something niche opens up, go chase it down, keep networking, keep evolving as a business owner. This is our encouragement to you. Yeah. You're in the marketplace serving people. And whether you own a business or not, in a lot of ways, you're still self-employed because your job is only as strong as you are operating in that job, serving in people in that job and honoring your oversight and the people that are in charge of you in that job. So, so go into the marketplace, serve people well, be authentic, uh, love the people that you serve and then love the people that serve you, whether it's your vendors or the people that cut your hair on the weekend or the people that serve you food, you know, honor them, treat them with dignity because they are out there serving you and you're also going into the marketplace serving others and you're going to win. You're going to be successful. Keep growing, keep learning, keep pushing the envelope. And can I just tell you, thank you for joining us. We love spending time with you on this episode. Uh, if you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. We'd love to receive a five star from you. That would tell us that we're serving you well. You can download future episodes on the iTunes or Google Play Store. Go to Stitcher. You can share this on social media with your friends, your colleagues. Just find one friend and text it to them. Say, hey, I enjoyed this episode of Getting Money Right. You should check it out. Uh, you can share this in email, in you know, social media, wherever fits for you. Uh, you can find the notes to the show on leosebo.com. And we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money, money right. right. We're in a day and age where you have to have a website, you have to have a web presence, you have to be on social media. All those things are important. And I think over time they will pay off and you have to invest in them. But nothing beats the word of mouth referral.